Well, welcome back, everyone. Uh, I'm so excited to be back. Um, at the end of uh, three weeks ago, when I was here last, uh, we had a message on Jesus, uh, I am, he is. And we touched on the verses where Jesus told the Pharisees, I am, you know, who do you say you are? And he says, I am, indicating that he and the Father was one. And then we looked at a lot of other verses that was saying that he was there at the creation of the world and everything was made through him and for him. And as I was driving home, I'm like, well, that was some cool stuff. You know, God, Jesus not only is our Messiah, he came incarnated as a, as a baby here and then grew into a man and, and taught us all the, how to live and, and brought us back to himself and to God. Um, but it's like, wow, he also created the world and everything is through him and for him. And then I'm like, boy, there, there's more to this. What does this mean for us? You know, how, how can we look at, with this new knowledge, everything that Jesus said in a new light, in a new lens? And so today, that's my attempt to uh, try to do that, to bring some light on. All right, now let's apply it to our lives and see if we can find some, some life uh, from this. So let us pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for Jesus. Help us today to see our Lord and Savior in a new light. And may that light illuminate our paths and change our lives forever. All for his glory. We invite you into the service and into this message today. In Jesus' name, amen. One of the last um, Bible verses that we left off with last time was Colossians 1, 15 through 19. And it goes like this. <laughs> He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things exist." That's such a powerful verse, you know, if you start, especially if you start breaking apart each one and really analyzing each piece of what's being said there. We explored many Bible verses that clearly stated Jesus was with the Father at the time of creation, as I just mentioned, and the world was made through him and for him. The entirety of the universe exists for his glory, his purposes, and his pleasure. The entirety of the universe was made for his purposes, his joy, and his pleasure. You were created for Jesus, for his purposes. With that realization, what that, this means is that our very existence is to bring him glory, him friendship, him joy. That's why we're here. That realization allows us to have a paradigm shift where life is no longer about us. It's about our Jesus. Who here likes to garden? Anybody garden? Yeah, a couple, several of us, right? All right. Well, I love to plant tomatoes in the spring. And uh, it's fun to see those young plants grow and you have to put the cages around them. And if you're a little more ambitious, maybe you'll plant some seeds in early March, or sometimes I do in January. And by the time I'm ready to plant, they're three feet long and with very thin stalk because they're trying to get sun. But... Uh, those young plants experience a lot in their lifetime once you get them into the soil. There are some wonderful experiences that those plants uh, experience. 
like the sun, right? We all enjoy the sun, those plants sure do. The beautiful rays of that warming sun that provides that photosynthesis, the process of converting light energy into chemical energy so the plant can uh, grow and sustain, or that wonderful rain in the summer, though that water, uh, where the water is absorbed by the roots that provides them with that thirst-quenching hydration that supports cellular function of the plant. Or those little helpers. Uh, we have some beehives a local farmer has down the road, and I've never had so many honeybees in my yard this year. Those bees that uh, spread the pollen uh, grains from that male anther of the flower to the female stigma that provides plants with the uh, genetic material to produce those seeds to grow that next generation. So those tomato plants have all those wonderful things to grow. But there's also some challenges for those tomato plants. The wind, those strong storms that come in the, the summer that uh, bring in those heavy winds and that hail that batter those uh, tomato plants. At those times, the plant must rely on their strong roots that were given to them by the sun and the rain in order to hold strong. How about those pests? You know, the bees are these wonderful little helpers, but how about the, those other pests that come into the garden? Sometimes during life, those tomato plants, pests will appear like um, aphids and beetles and cutworms that try to consume the plant. And during those times, the tomato plant must dig into its reserve energy to, and try to resist that attack. Or how about our wonderful friends, the weeds? Those fellow plants that we call weeds that introduce themselves into the garden and kind of choke out those tomato plants, forcing the tomato plants to maybe stretch and grow uncomfortably, trying to get above uh, the rest of those weeds so it can get the light that it needs. Our lives are like those tomato plants. God knits us together in, in our mother's womb, and then he plants us into the world. Each one of us has unlimited potential when we are born, but life and how we traverse life determines how much fruit we bear. We encounter the good things in life, and we encounter many of those hardships, just like the tomato plant. Our lives are intertwined with our soul. We sang that this morning, oh my soul, oh my soul. Our eternal soul, the part of us that's not physical, some definitions say our true nature. Others try to explain it as our ego. And I just looked at ego up really quick and you know what is that type thing. Before we can have victory in, in this new revelation that we were created for Christ's glory and life isn't about ourselves, it's about what we think, do, and say for Jesus, we need to examine that concept of ego. Some of the definitions of ego is that self, especially as distinct from the world and the other selves, the division of psyche that is conscious most immediately controls our thoughts and behaviors and in touch with our external reality. Or we have also heard the word ego in kind of a, a, a tainted sense is, uh, is, is exaggerated self-importance uh, or kind of conceit type thing. Ego really has to do with our souls, the entity of who we are. It will return to God someday. When we value our ego more than God and his teachings, that's when we are sinning. So I thought, well, I was excited after you know, coming up with that revelation that Jesus created all things and all things were made through him and for him. 
So I'm like, I just want to go back and start in, in Matthew and look, look at everything that Jesus said in that new light. You know, he's not, he, he's not only our Messiah, he was our creator, and we were created for a purpose. With this new insight, um, we I started back in Matthew 5.39. So we're just going to take a couple quick verses and teachings and just try to look at that from a different light. Matthew 5.39, but I tell you not to resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him also have your cloak. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks you, and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. You have heard that this is said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemy. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Now when Jesus said this for the first time, this was astonishing teaching. And, but these things also, when we experience these little hardships and trials in life with, with other people, these are the little pests in life, just like those tomato plants have. But we have to remember, it's not about you. It's not about me. Life isn't. The Bible says that the least of these will be the greatest in heaven. But uh, be Jesus to people. Don't value the things in your ego more than your fellow man who Jesus loves immensely. Value what Jesus values, God and our fellow man. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and your neighbor as yourself. He wishes all to come to repentance and acceptance of him, this is his universe that we're experiencing. Why? So that we may be called the sons and daughters of our Father in heaven. Let's look at another one, Matthew six fourteen and 15. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your Father in heaven will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. I believe there was a song today on, on forgiveness. Come back to that message again. It's not about you. It's not about me. Forgiveness is when we don't let our ego forgive another. It's harmful for you and it's harmful for the person that are, that are not forgiving. Life is not about you, so let it go. Like a water off a duck's back, forgive. Why? Because God has forgiven you. Do the same for your fellow man. They're going through this same journey and being tossed and turned just like we are, and they need forgiveness as well. And if there's some very wrongdoing, well, in that situation, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, and he will make it right in due time. The third one out of four that I wanted to look at today, and then we'll bring it all together, is Matthew 6, 14 and 15. Um, oh, actually, I'm sorry, Matthew 6, 25 through 33. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather in the barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? Which, you, which of you by worrying can add, add one cubic to your statue? 
So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed, arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Uh, you, some of these, I remember younger when you're raising families, and it's, you know, it's tough because you've got a responsibility as a father or mother to worry about making sure your children have everything they need. But again, Jesus is telling us here, it's not about you. It's not about me. Stop worrying about your needs. If you need to worry, worry about Jesus' needs, his needs to build his kingdom, his, and, uh, his, uh, to preach salvation to men, and his desire that none should be lost. Why? Because God will take care of us. He created every atom in the universe. He can make manna in the wilderness out of thin air. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added on to you, the word says. And the last one here is Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30, one of my favorite. Come to me, all who are labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Life is no longer about us. It's how much, how much easier is, is it to lay down all our burdens and our stresses. He promises rest for our souls. And when we replace our heavy burdens with his light expectations for our lives, we find that life and peace that he only offers. So let it go, brothers and sisters. Let it go. Give it to him He's asking for it. Why? Because we trade our suffering for his salvation that is easy and light in comparison to the troubles of this world. Sometimes when you're reading those verses in the Bible and he's promising this peace and life and joy, and so often we're just hanging on to ourselves and our egos and everything about us and, oh, woe is me. We can just never, we can never find that joy and peace that he promises because we're not surrendering to him. So let it go. So the struggle. Quick little section here, and then we'll tie it all together. So why is humanity struggling so much? Jesus tells us not to worry, forgive, relax, trust in me, trust in God, he says. Humanity is struggling with their egos. They just can't seem to get it right. This is illustrated in 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5, where Paul warns us, But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedience to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanders, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, and having a form of godliness but denying its power. And from these people turn away. 
Wow, I don't think Paul left anything out there. But I tell you, these people love themselves more than they love God or their fellow man. Their egos have run amok. They don't understand that life is not about themselves. It's about our creator and his universe. We were not made for ourselves. We were made for God's glory. They have the reality turned upside down, and their outcomes are bleak. And eternity separated from the creator and the redeemer. So for us, it's a warning for us. The next time we have a thought about greed, we say, life is not about me and what I have or have not. The next time we have a thought of lust, we say, life is not about my pleasures or my wants. The next time we have a thought of pride, we say, life is not about my station in life. Unforgiveness, we say, life is not about my ego being soothed. Pleasure, we say life is not about me feeling good or me having what I need, everything I want. Or even worry, you know, life is not about me, so let it go and give it over to God. Life is how we, the created, interact with our creator. This is how we will be judged to determine if our ego, our inner soul, is worthy to spend eternity with Jesus and God the Father. The world is moving away from the Creator and their Savior. We, the body of Christ, through the guidance of the Holy Spirit, are here to bring the message of salvation through Jesus Christ to the world. If we fail, souls will be destroyed. Those very precious souls that God knitted together in their mother's womb. Life is not about us. It's... If the world could understand that, we would have a taste of what heaven is like here on earth. We would love others like Jesus asked us to love. We would give unconditionally. We would support unconditionally. We would not have these lawsuits or all this chaos all around us. We'll experience that someday as the millennium approaches soon, when Jesus reigns from Jerusalem. So we need to overcome. You see a lot of verses about overcoming. You know, Jesus overcame the world, but we're also expected to overcome. Our souls need to overcome ourselves and find Jesus, our Savior. Jesus is la one of Jesus' last prayers on earth, and it's a, it's a couple paragraphs here, but I, I think we need, need to read it and just take our time stepping through it to really see Jesus' heart. In John 17, 1 through 5, and then I stopped and jumped ahead to 20 to 26, Jesus spoke these words. He lifted his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may also glorify you, as you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have glorified you on earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. And now, O oh Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I have had with you before the world was. There again, he's saying it. He was, he was with them before the world was. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who believe in me through your word 
that they may all be one, as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be one with us, that the world may believe that you sent me, and the glory which you given, gave me I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one. That's deep right there, if you look. What what he's saying? Um, I lost my place. Father, yeah. Father, I desire that they also, also whom you gave me, may be with me where I am, that I may behold my glory, which you have given me. For you loved me before the foundations of the world. O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you, and these have known that you sent me. And I also have also declared to them your name, and will declare it, that the love with which you love me may be with them, and I in them. Do you hear his heart? The creator of the world's heart He wants each one of us to know the unfathomable love of God, and he invites us to be one with God. That is why we are here, to bring Jesus glory, to be one with God, just as Jesus was one with the Father, to live in love and harmony with God for all eternity. That's why we're traversing this earth. Think of this earth as an incubator for our souls. We spoke about in Timothy that, you know, Lucifer's, God, the small g or God of this world, that there's uh, princes or fallen angels ruling over parts of the world, just kind of grinding at us all the time and being an annoyance. This is kind of like an incubator if you think about this world. It's maybe a, it's a far stretch there, but um, our souls are born into this world and we have to go through all this tribulation and hardship. And, and the world's asking, why are we here? What's my purpose? And they're, they're just baffled at trying to figure it out. But like that tomato plant, the hardships in the forms of storms, the annoyances in the forms of pests, the constraints in the forms of weeds are all here to help our souls surrender to God. So, you know, there's pers- uh, scripture in the Bible that says, hey, uh, I'm, getting, I'm, I'm th- going through tribulation. Praise God. You know, you read with Paul and stuff. And you're like, what? What is he... What is he thinking here? But he realized this. He realized that these troubles are to help us to say, oh, surrender our ego, surrender ourselves to God, and he will lift you up. And the sooner we can learn that, the the sooner we can find that joy and that peace that only he offers. This is really the ultimate refiner's fire that we're going through. Billions of people have come and gone from this planet. If they were lucky, they might still have a headstone with their name on it, or writings that exist in a book, or a painting or a photo of their image that might still be in some manuscript or book. All of them had the same struggle, to make an eternal decision to die to self and live for God, or to live for themselves. This is the process of being born again, to realize that our lives are no longer our own and they are God's and to surrender our lives 
to Christ Jesus, the creator and the author and finisher of our faith. Then God will uh, fill us with his Holy Spirit, and we will take that journey towards oneness with him. In John 3, it says, Jesus answered to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. If we surrender our lives to Christ, we will find eternal life in him. We can now get a hold of that life and peace and joy he promises before we realize it is when we realize it's no longer about ourselves and our own egos. It's about our souls surrendering to its creator so that we might have unity with the creator. And as I mentioned, the sooner we realize that, the sooner and easier life will be for us. But it's even more than that. As Jesus' prayer illustrated, a a surrendered soul to God becomes one with God the Father and Jesus. And I'll reiterate this part of his prayer. I do not pray for those alone, but also for those who believe in me through uh, through their word, that they may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be one with us. Jesus is praying that our souls, the essence of who we are, are in complete unity with God. Just like that tomato plant, God is harvesting, this, harvesting souls for the kingdom of God and his future plans. He made this world. He has future plans. He has future plans for our souls. But it's not just harvesting souls like illustrating the scripture, but like separating the sheep from the goats and a lot of those other illustrations. It's even more than that. His plans are for us, his disciples, to reign with him. 2 Timothy 2.12, if we endure, we shall reign with him. He gives us the titles of sons and daughters of God. His children is stated in John, John 1.12. But as many received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. Jesus even took one step further. His very own family, as Jesus proclaimed in Matthew, Matthew 12, 50, For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother, my sister, and my mother. In conclusion, brothers and sisters, life is not about us. And if we can get up every morning and put that thought in our minds, it's about Jesus and how to bring Jesus glory because we were created for him. We are his. So let's, let's do what we were created to do. Because then we will find life and peace and purpose in our lives. All things were created through Jesus and for Jesus. It is his world and you are his. So die to your ego, your soul, surrender it to Christ. Stop worrying about ourselves. We can be kind to others like in those scriptures we read. We can forgive. We can trust God. We don't need to worry anymore. The sooner we can realize that, the sooner we can enjoy that life in peace in the midst of this tribulated world that only Jesus offers. The sooner we'll understand the riches that we have in Christ Jesus, the sooner we will be valuable workers of his kingdom and bring in the harvest. Surrender and live. Live life to the fullest in Christ Jesus. I know a lot of you here have been longtime Christians and never know, but if there's anybody here that hasn't given their life to Jesus, or maybe you know someone that does and you can pray for them this morning.
Give your life to Jesus today. Accept his life in peace and joy. And let go of all those things that are dragging you down. And find purpose and peace in his plan for your lives and for your eternity. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for the, everyone here. Lord, we thank you that there are so many strong Christians here, Lord. And I hope that there's something in this message today that just gave them a different angle or different light on your scripture. Lord, encourage them to go out into this world and shed your love and your light and help them to, uh, others understand their purpose as well. And in benediction from Numbers 6.24, I leave you with this. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious upon you. And the Lord lift up your countenance and give you peace.